on that. I think we were, if I was right. I think we did. We get through the Pride Proverbs. Okay, that's what I thought. So we're gonna do part two of should a Christian have self-esteem? And uh, we read a lot of scripture. Oh, did I bring my tablet? Yeah. We read a, read a lot of scripture last time. And uh, do we want to go back over any of that? Or we did. We started by doing the biblical examples of esteeming oneself, and we went through Peter, Abraham, Nebuchadnezzar. And any time somebody relied on their flesh, it ended in disaster. So the flesh is always not a good idea, even for a Christian. Um, okay. Here's a here's a verse I just remembered the other night that I wanted to read, and this is talking about this is Romans eight, which we'll obviously get to eventually. And so we're ta really talking about here the difference from a Christian perspective is the difference between relying upon your flesh and re relying upon the Holy Spirit to live and to do anything really, and how it's the word self-esteem usually means you're esteeming yourself, you're taking pride in your own yourself. And you don't want to take pride in yourself, you want to take pride in the other self that lives within you, and that's the Holy Spirit. So this is Romans 8.5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For, this, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, nor is it able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Okay, this is what I was actually trying to get to. <laughs> I read the wrong chapter, first half did. But that, you can see it there too. So then, brethren, it's talking to Christians. So then, brethren, we are under, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So you see that especially in verse, that was Romans 8, and verse 12 is where I want to focus on. Because it's talking directly, some of that up there before that was kind of blending in, I think, where you talk, you could, you could have that applied to an unbeliever, and some of it was to believers, but clearly in verse 12, it says, so then, brethren, he's talking to a Christian here, we are under obligation, this is as us, as Christians, not to the flesh, not to live according to the way we used to live, not to live according to our own strength, not to live according to our own pride, but we are to live according, not to live according to the flesh, because this is talking to a Christian, for if you live according to the flesh, you must die. That is to say, you will suffer if you live according to the flesh. You can still live according to the flesh as a Christian. And that's relying on yourself. And that's what we're talking about here. Self-esteem, self-reliance, all this, uh, the topic we're talking about. So you see, that's the point I'm trying to make over and over and over and over, biblically speaking. For a Christian, you do, you want to crush it. You want to deny yourself. All the things you used to live by and all the strengths that, like today, whatever you live through, whatever you, whatever you live today by, and, you're, and you had in your mind maybe a moment of struggle or whatever, and you relied on something in your heart. Just a, you know, something that you kind of gathered strength from to kind of encourage you through a situation. That's the determining factor there. If that was anything but the Holy Spirit saying, Lord, by your Spirit, give me the strength to get through this. Give me the strength to do this work. Give me the strength to do this. That's idolatry. You're and I used to live this way, literally, all the way through before I was a Christian, and even after I was a Christian, where I just would suck it up and you know think all right i just gotta do this myself and and the reason self-esteem and self-reliance is so bad is that even if you could pull yourself through the situation by your own flesh and there are situations you can it just puffs your pride up is all it does and that leads you into sin so that's the point i'm trying to make over and over and over and over and over and over i like you using the word self-reliance better than self-esteem well it's the same and thing i mean well it's, yeah it makes, to me it's clear Pride is self-esteem. Self-esteem is pride. If you esteem I yourself, like self when you were saying. Well, why don't you like self-esteem? 
I still go back to the idea that that's okay. Where self-esteem, you know, all your life you're told you gotta like right. yourself. Or right, whatever. and that's what I'm saying. That's what we're trying to get to. That's not okay. That's not the, that's not recommended biblically because we're not reliable. We're not likable. But you don't want to raise somebody or tell somebody all the time you're no good. You're not worth anything. Well, you don't you don't go crass about it and say well, you're worthless. Everybody's made in the image of God, so there's value and worth. But the danger becomes in puffing somebody, puffing a child up, telling, convincing them that they're good. You're okay. You're good. You're good. You're because that's going to lead. Because in order to be saved, you have to do the opposite. Well, maybe it's not like you're good, you're, but you can accomplish something, or you you don't have to feel like you're not self-worthy. You're not. Yeah, but when you're talking like a three-year-old or four-year-old. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying you walk up to a two-year-old as soon as they can talk and go, "You're a worthless piece of garbage." Yeah, we're not talking about that. We're talking about using some rash reason here. But the truth of the matter is that two-year-old is a wretched sinner to be, and they will, outside of before they come to Christ, they will live a wicked life. That two-year-old, every one of them will, and you can already tell a two-year-old's wicked, right? I mean, you put two two-year-olds in a room, and you give them a toy in the middle. It's you're gonna see, you're gonna prove the original sin in human beings pretty fast because they're gonna fight and throw fits. Or I've heard somebody say this: that the, the biggest proof of original sin is when, a, like, a one-year-old or two-year-old is not interested in a toy, doesn't want anything to do with it, and then another kid walks in the room, grabs it, and that's immediately what happens. That one-year-old, two-year-old wants that toy. Why? Because it's just they want. It's evil is what it is. They just, the only reason they want it now is because they don't want them to have it. And it happens every single time. And so, yeah, I'm not saying you, you tell a two-year-old that they're That's a wicked, evil person. But I don't want to teach a kid to have self-esteem. I don't. I'm not saying you go extreme to the other way either. But I've never once uh, tried, told Grace that she's a good person. Because she's not a good person. That's kind of the whole point here. None of us are. We're all evil people. Now, when you become a Christian, you become more encouraging to people because you're not worried about convincing them of their of their wretchedness. So it does change a little bit once somebody becomes a Christian. And then if you do change after you're after you're a Christian, God works in you. But the only reason you have any goodness now is because God is doing it. You see the difference there. So, but we're trying to in this particular study we're we're dealing with we're trying to come at it from a Christian perspective we're assuming that what we're talking about here somebody's already a Christian yeah. and you still should not esteem yourself you should not you rely upon self, your flesh yeah I think you're right because like <laughs> you know, yeah, trust me I, I told you this that when I when I was listening to the Bible unconverted the first time through I kept hearing God condemn pride, and I was like, I was struck. I was like, that make any sense to me. I'm, I thought pride was good. Never heard in my whole life that pride was a bad thing, from anybody or anywhere. Or any, any. It's probably because I just closed my mind to anything that was real, or true. But, well, and then even after I got converted. The world you. Yeah. Yeah, because the world system is. Satanic, you know the world is run by the evil one. Yeah, I know the whole world is exactly the opposite. They say, "Oh no, you esteem yourself, you you puff yourself up, you have pride, you you feed on that pride, you you go after whatever, you can do anything you want to." Those are all worldly ideas. From a Christian perspective, I never would say to somebody, "You can do anything you want." He's up there. The He's up there. <laughs> Our last two presidents are up yeah, there. They probably were too. <laughs> yeah. So you see what I'm saying? I'm trying to get you, as Christians, to not rely upon yourself. But that's what I'm saying. Like success is measured in ways And like we talked about last week, the continuing, the overwhelming, relentless pattern of Scripture is. If you humble yourself, God will exalt. God will exalt you. See the difference? Mm -hmm. If you exalt yourself, right. even as a Christian, He will humble you. He'll see to it that you're humbled. 
if you start relying on your flesh and you start getting pride in your heart as a Christian, he might tolerate it for a little bit, but then he ain't going to tolerate it forever. He'll, he'll, that, that'll bring about divine chastening. And one more, what was I? And this is a real good, uh, before we get into spiritual warfare. All right, this is, this is, I was talking about repentance a little bit earlier. And this is, to me, the best example of what repentance is. Now, I know that's kind of a different subject, but, but you'll see where I, how this ties into this. And I'll just read the parable. This is the parable, this is Luke 18, 9. And it's the Pharisee and the publican. Publican? <laughs> I don't know. Tax collector, I guess, I think is what he is. All right, he also what told... What did you say? What was the word? Publican? Dad? What? Publican or publican? Publican. Publican. Tax collector? Mm -hmm. All right. So this is Luke 18, 9. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Okay, so we're usually, we're talking about salvation here primarily, but you'll see how I tie this in. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. This is what the Pharisee, the self-righteous guy was praying to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So he's in, he's in the temple, and his tax collector's over here, and he's, he's, you see the pride and the self-righteousness in his heart, his self-esteem in his heart. He's esteeming himself right before God. He's literally praying pride prayers to God, which is a horrific idea. He's like, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, the other guy, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating on beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I, this is Jesus talking. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. So you see how the repentant heart, the broken heart, the humble heart, the not esteemed heart, he'd have no self-esteem. He was absolutely broken. And the other guy was going, well, I, I, thank, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that person over there. I'm, I do this, this, and this, and he, they do this, this, and this. And he, they were, we're talking about salvation, kind of in this parable, but he went home unsaved. You, you don't get your pride in salvation. You don't get them, either one. And so, but then the end of this says, I tell you, this is Jesus talking still, I tell you this man, okay, um, what? I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. So you see the theme over and over. And again, that's, that is salvation too. Repentance, I think that's the best picture of repentance, where the, guy, where the guy's beating on his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's broken over him, his, what he's done with his life. Truly broken over his life, and he won't even look up. That is, that is what leads to salvation. Where the other guy was bragging and he went home unjustified. So the, the pattern in Scripture is so overwhelming. And it's, and it's again, I'm not, I'm not getting on in you or anybody else because I had... It's hard, man. I thought we saw how the... I mean, I do great things for people with disabilities and all that stuff. You know, we think, well, the good is well, the bad. Yeah. <laughs> that was my religion. I didn't really even have Jesus. I remember... From the church and when we went as a kid, and but, yeah, no, I did this bad, but look at all the good stuff I did. It's hard to, hard to comprehend that, honestly. Yeah, and yeah, and the, what we what we need to do now that we're saved is to switch that, switch that thinking, no, no because matter, no, no matter what you do, it's still not good enough. You know it, and that's good. But what but what'll make you a more useful Christian, which is my purpose here, is to when I'm discipling Christians, is to make you more useful to God through my experience and through my learning and everything else, is that the faster you can, you can deny yourself and, and change that attitude of, of, of learning the truth of that, you're not reliable. Because like I said, even if you accomplish something as a Christian by the power of your flesh, whatever it is, and you get that little poom of pride in your heart for it, that always leads to you rewarding yourself with sin, and then the cycle kind of continues. Oh, yesterday I did, a, I did what you do. And I gave a card and a bunch of change, and I was like, oh, no, good thing for me to do. And I'm like, 
really uh, wasn't. <laughs> well, it is a good thing for you to do. Yeah. As a Christian, I mean, I'll say that's... Right, that's the part. That's the hard part. That is, a, and Pastor Faith taught me this. And that's good, I'm glad you're noticing that, because you want to feel joy and I thank the Lord. Lord. Yeah, <laughs> but there's a difference between that joy. Because I do too. I have some of my... Uh, the, and this is what Pastor Faith taught me. He said, he said, he looked at me one day, he was Jay... Um, the time you have to be most alert for a fall is right after a spiritual success of some sort. Either God saved somebody and everything else because you'll be like, and that temptation is there to say, ooh, look, look, I read the Bible for two hours and I taught this and I, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, I deserve, right, right when that word, that, that thought, I deserve, comes in your mind, you're going to go do something simple I mean, every single time. And so, but I want you to have joy. And this is where it's good to have joy when you do that because you don't want to, Hand, hand out a gospel track. But Give, I caught myself feeling like, oh, I kind of look yeah. right here. Yeah. <laughs> but thank the Lord and tell, and this is why I tell, I'm, I'm like, Lord, because I used to do the same thing, because I, you know, but I, I wouldn't catch it as fast as you did. That was good. But, but I want you to have joy when you do that, because that'll keep you doing it. If you beat yourself up, if you, hand out, if you do something good and you're like, oh, I'm nothing but a piece of crap wretch, I'm not asking you to do that. You should say, Lord, thank you for allowing me to do that. I pray you'll be glorified. Keep me doing that. Just no pride. Just give him more glory. No, more glory. Yeah, and that's good. I'm glad you're noticing that. Because it took me a long time to figure that out. Cause, yeah, because even when I'm living for the Lord, I'm, I was cycling up and down. I was like, why? Why is this so inconsistent? It was because I just couldn't get the fact of I was taking spiritual pride in things that he was doing, you know, and that, and so. But again, I, I want to be real clear to say, you should have overwhelming joy to be used by the Lord to do anything, and you should strive to do more and more and more. Just just not for, like you said, don't when you do it, don't go, ooh, look at me, Lord. Just say, pray, thank you, thank you, Lord. So yeah, I'm not trying to see, that's maybe something we'll get to at the end here. Yeah, it? I mean, I almost wanted to high-five, that's what I did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> ooh, look at me, moonwalking backwards. Yeah, I know. That's good. That's wonderful. Good. Um, that's great. That really is great. I want to encourage you in that because yeah, it, say, you never know. That. And that could change that man's eternal destination. You always want to. Because it's it gets hard evangelizing, and but that's good. Well, that's my, you know yeah, well, aren't I great? Did you see? <laughs> 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 no, it was. Uh, I mean, it, it's kind of like what you said. Yeah, and I used to not have that. Okay. I used to not have that attitude towards people. One blue balls per batch, and I thought I only had to make two more. And even if. It doesn't help. Yeah, it's our job to proclaim the gospel. And who knows? And maybe he'll drop it in the trash and somebody else pick it. You just never know. Yeah, somebody else will pick it out. Because the Bible says that the Lord's word does not come back empty. He's got a purpose for everything. He's got a purpose. When the gospel goes out, it accomplishes what he's going to do with it. It may not be salvation to that person. It may not be salvation to anybody. But he accomplishes a purpose. And that's the thing, another thing to be, to, I'm glad you realize that it's such a privilege and a joy to be involved in evangelism. That's another thing I, I skipped out on for basically. Well, it didn't take me long to figure out the 10 things that I already had wrong that day. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. I know, me too. Okay, this wasn't such a big Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, when we talked about the biblical examples of esteeming oneself, it's kind of good to look in the Bible and realize everybody God used was a disaster too, you know. He uses... He uses wretched sinners to accomplish his purposes because that's all he has to deal with. There's nobody else out there except wretched sinners. All right, well, I guess we ought to move on to spiritual warfare. I'm not sure why I have that in there. But we'll look up that verse and it'll probably click in with me. So we're going to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. All right, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So you see the point here is, and it's talking clearly to Christians now, we, we walk, for we, even though we walk in the flesh, we're in human bodies. We, our warfare is not of the flesh. We don't fight battles like the world fights battles. We don't fight physical battles. We fight for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So here's the, here's the spiritual battle we're in. Okay, and you see the point I'm trying to make here dealing with self-esteem is we don't fight according to the flesh. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. So you see this, the spiritual warfare, the spiritual battle we're in is not physical. We're not in a fleshly battle with people. We are in a battle for hearts and minds. And so we destroy speculations. Anything that, that somebody says, anything, any idea that lifts, is lifted up against the Word of God is something that we are to be involved in crushing, not by physical force. Again, I don't know if you remember when Jesus was arrested and Peter uh, actually or cut the ear off of one of the Roman guards. And Jesus stopped him and said, that we're, not, we're not battling the kingdom of his kingdom is not of this world, otherwise they would have, he would have allowed them to fight. So you see, the spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God, is advanced through truth. Truth. Truth crushes error. That's the battle we're in. We're not in physical battle. That's why I don't believe in Christian government, Christian takeover, or any... You know, any the, the kingdom of God does not advance one iota through the government. It advances through the gospel, and that's it. The gospel truth is what saves, is what converts a heart. Not how many Republicans we get in office versus how many Democrats, or, or if we ban homosexual marriage, or if we don't. We fight for the right things that are biblical, that's fine, but it's not going to save anybody. So you see, the, the, so the warfare that we're in is spiritual warfare. It's not according to the flesh. And the only way you're going to be able to fight spiritual warfare is if you know what the Word of God says. That's why we do what we're doing here. And that's why you should spend as there's you, you don't waste any time. You could read the Bible for 23 or 24 hours every day for a week, and I would never say you're doing too much. Never. You cannot read the Bible enough. You cannot absorb His truth into your heart enough. Now again, we have lives and limits and everything else. But I'm, my point I'm trying to make is, I'll never tell you to put the Bible down and do something else. Not if your heart wants to read. I'd say read on because that is where you're going to gain weapons to battle to win battles that will count for all of eternity instead of battles that we could all fight and get distracted in. And there's a place where, I think if Paul says, or it might have been Peter, says that we are to strip off all the distracting things. That's why there's things in this world that are not even necessarily sinful. They're not evil. They're just distracting for a Christian. Because you can get distracted by anything. And some, some that's reasonably innocent. But if it's taken your heart and mind away from the, what we're supposed to be doing, it, then, then it becomes simple. So, so that's the spiritual warfare. Right? So that's, a, again, not fleshly, not, not relying upon ourself, not self-reliant. All right, the next concept, or next topic I have is deny yourself. And we kind of got a little bit into that when the Romans 8, 12 uh, that I read. All right, Matthew, but I have Matthew 16, 24. <laughs> All right, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So you're not to esteem yourself, you are to. Anybody? Fill in the blank. We don't esteem ourselves, we deny ourselves. Humble. That should be obvious. It was the title of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> But we should have figured that one out. Jesus said, Jesus, yeah, but I'm, the, the scripture I just read, I'm going to read the scripture again. If anyone wishes to come out, this is Jesus talking, if anyone comes after him, if anyone wants to be saved, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I'm sure you've heard that scripture where Jesus yeah. says, come follow me, pick up your cross, deny yourself. So you don't esteem yourself, you don't value yourself, you deny yourself and come after him. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So if you want to find life, lose your own life 
for him for his work. If you want to lose your life, and I'm not just talking about losing salvation, I'm talking about just making your life purposeless and eternally useless, then then uh, where is it? Save your life then instead of losing it. So if you save your life, you'll lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And you can see salvation there too. That if you if you want to if you want to be saved to follow Jesus, you have to. He he did not he he is not somebody who says okay you can have half your life and I'll take half your life. To be a Christian, it's replete throughout Scripture. He says he owns all of you. And so, but we're talking here specifically about being useful as a Christian. And so, the more you deny your life and your concerns and your needs, you're thinking less about that and you're thinking more about His needs, Christ's needs, and our not needs, I shouldn't say that because he doesn't need anything, but what he wants us to do in his kingdom, building his kingdom, then you'll you'll have a life full of joy, pure joy. If you focus more on this, then you'll end up getting frustrated because all this stuff is going to, he's going to destroy it all anyway. That's why I always try to remind everybody, anything that you're out there working for or anything else, he's going to undo and burn up every single material thing on this planet and redo it. And then he says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? So you can go out there and gain every last dime of, on this planet and lose your soul. All right. So that is, so you see the concept there is deny yourself, which is the opposite of esteem yourself. All right. All right, my next note here is three forms of sinfulness. Sometimes I write these and I forget exactly what I'm doing. So we're going to 1 John 2, 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So you see what we were just talking about there, how, and the, the, the aspect we're really zeroing in on is the boastful, the third. And this is good to know. The three forms of sinfulness, they all, every sin fits under one of these three categories. Lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. So either lusting after something to make your body feel good, or you're lusting, coveting after something else, or that could be sexual lusting, or pride of life, boastful pride of life, which is what esteeming oneself is. You're you're boasting yourself. And again, this is not from the Father, but it's from the world, what we just talked about. How the, the world system is set up to make you do these things. They want you to lust. That's what commercials are for. They want you to want what they're selling. They John 2, 16 has something really different. 1 John 2, 16? First, like There's 1, 2, and 3, John. This is 1 John, yeah. This so, is about the house of the Lord. Yeah, 1 John. And there's also the Gospel of John, too. So it's 1 John 2, 16. So, yeah, commercials. The, the world is trying to get you to lust after the flesh, the lust after, the, to covet sexual lust. They want all of that. If they use all that to sell and materialism. That's why this whole, you think about it, the United States of America, and I used to think that this was some kind of a Christian idea. It's the opposite. I mean, I'm, a, I'm glad to live in a capitalistic society, but if you look around here, has there ever been a country that's been more materialistic, wickedly materialistic than this? That never ends. I mean, it's just never ending. And you, you kind of say, you struggle because you kind of appreciate the advances from that greed. Remember, remember Wall Street when he said greed yeah. is good? I used to like have that quoted. <laughs> that was horrible. Because greed is not good, but in a, but in a cap, but in a fallen world where everybody is wicked and greedy, capitalism I think funnels that greed into productivity, where socialism and all the other stuff is. So that's why I do like capitalism, but I also recognize the wickedness of materialism now more way more than I used to. But that third part is the boastful pride of life is. That's self-esteem is what it is. It's not from the Father, but it's from the world. Alright, so Christianity is not self-love, self-reliance, self-fulfillment. 
yourself. It's not. It's deny yourself. It really is. And again, if you want to find life and joy as a Christian, then then the more you learn, and I think the f really first couple of times you really do that, and you and you experience that joy of sharing the gospel, of seeing somebody saved, or of just having deep fellowship with the Lord, you'll you'll have that joy to where you'll 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 realize how it's pure and clean joy, and it's not corrupting, and it'll encourage you to keep chasing after Him. But you have to make a willful choice, even as a Christian, to deny yourself. You have, you, 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 you have to. And it's worth it. Again, if you just think and just think rationally for a minute, you're talking about serving the true and living God who created everything around you, owns everything around you. He's not impressed by us. No, he's not. But he, but he does love us, and he wants to. He wants. Yeah. He's. You know. I don't want to ever take away. No, no. You're not going to come to him with a resume. And he won't. And as a Christian, he won't use you if you start to have pride in your heart. He'll, you won't lose your salvation. Is that not what pride and everything's all about? Really, is you. You come up with a piece of paper, great things I did. Yeah. I separate between unbelieving pride and believing pride. Unbelieving pride is like, yeah, you're trying to earn salvation. And yeah, that will never work. You'll, it'll end up in hell. Your resume, everybody's resume will end up in hell who don't get saved. But as what we're dealing with here is a saved person, you still have to battle against pride. Yes. Because you, not because you'll lose your salvation, but because you'll just become, you, you'll lose your joy. You'll lose your, you'll be, you'll lose your usefulness. You live for him, but, but you ask every day for his power to do it. You try not to sin, put it that way. You try not to sin. You recognize that you are. Yeah. You try not. But here's a key. Here's one of the keys I want you to learn is that the first thing you should do before you even get out of bed is to say, give me the power not to sin. You see the difference? I don't want you to get up out of bed and going, oh, I'm, Lord, I'm going to buck it up for you. I'm going to, mm -hmm. by my own flesh, I'm going to... Yeah, you just talked about that earlier. Yeah. I, you need to ask for help. Because if you don't have his help, and this is what the whole point is here, because I had to learn this the hard way. Oh, yeah, through this time, where you get through it on your own time yeah, even as a Christian, you can say, I'm going to try and sin less today. And that's not the right attitude. Here's the right attitude. Lord, by your grace, I'm going to try. Help me not to sin. Help. You're, you're relying on the power of God, the Spirit of God within you, and not your flesh. Because, yeah, you think as a Christian, oh, I'm going to really serve the Lord. It doesn't work, A. And B, he's not, like he said, he's not going to be impressed by that because he, he doesn't need you. And B, even if you succeed in something for him, it'll just puff you up if you think you did it yourself. And that's why you always want to ask for help, power from him. And he'll give it to you. That's the point I'm trying to make. If I was just saying, it's not some kind of a coping skill or something I'm trying to teach you. I'm, this is real. I mean, he will give you what you need if you ask for it. So, like, the proper reaction probably should be, I felt good about helping to do that. Uh, thank him for allowing me to feel good. Yeah. Well, just thank you. Yeah, say, boy, that, that was thank, thank you, you for allowing me to help this guy. Yeah, thank you for for saving me, so, and thank you for uh, the privilege. Man, but have joy in it. I want that's one thing. I don't want to cut off joy because yeah, joy is different than pride. Yeah, you, what you felt was joy initially, and then you might have clicked it over a little bit to pride, and that's the struggle. You have the joy. You want the joy. You don't want to. You're not supposed to be walking around and and beating yourself in the head <laughs> and when you do something good. Yeah, no, that's not what we're talking about. It's you have joy in the Lord though, and that's what we're about to get to. Is be you were to be strong. We're not in this thing. We're not talking about walking around in a pile of uh, uh, being afraid of people. And I think maybe this might help with some of the opposition you've had to your viewing to me saying self-esteem sinful by saying, well, you're just supposed to be a slave to everybody and be owned by it. No, that's not what we're talking about. It's just where's your where is your heart? Where's your strength from? You are to be strong, but not from yourself. It's right. from the Lord. And he will give you strength that will be pure strength. And trust me, he's got more strength than you do. <laughs> he's got more strength than all of us. And his does, he doesn't get tired. He doesn't weary. And it's amazing when you start to set your heart on, on saying, you know, when you realize that, you're like, okay, if I just ask you for power to do something for your glory, he'll do it. God's in the business of glorifying himself, his son, in the spirit, that's what he wants to do. But if you start to say, "I'm going to do this for the Lord on my own power," it won't work. Or if you start to say, "Lord, give me the power to do something that's 
selfish or something sinful. He's not going to do that either. But he will give it to you if he knows your heart is, oh, Lord, I want to see you glorified in this situation. Help me to do. So when you ask for the right, when you, is Satan able to give you that power then when you do evil things? Is he the one who steps in there and allows that to happen? Now what now? Does Satan have that power to, like you make a prayer and it gets answered in an evil way, you know? Is Satan the one who's empowering you to do that at that point in time or is it just you just did it on your own? You mean if you ask for something? Have, does Satan have the power to glorify himself well i mean satan is always seeking his own glory but yeah like you said it'll be corrupting and so but but here's the struggle when you're praying for something that's selfish and it's it's hard not to sometimes is you, you begin to your your prayers in, in a lot of christian prayers and this is what the whole word faith movement we were talking about before we began that's what the whole word faith movement is is asking god for things to feed your flesh give me a new car give me more money Make me healthy. Those are all fleshly things. Well, this is my question. I mean, this question is totally off the top of me. Does Satan have power? Does have, Satan have power? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's very powerful. And that's why, if you if you rely on yourself, he's not just he'll, he'll destroy he's you. He's He's actually got power. Well, I mean... <laughs> We can kind of get into maybe a little more detailed. This, maybe this will be some of the Q and A stuff about what he can and can't do. For for an unbeliever, I don't know that. I honestly don't know that. Not yet, hon. That's probably something we'll need to deal with a little more in depth. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, it's it's good to know what he can and can't do. Oh, he can fool you. He can definitely fool you. Now, I don't know about him actually being able to do supernatural stuff. Supernatural isn't real, is it? Yeah, huh? Yeah, supernatural means stuff you can't see. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, like, supernatural, like, powers and stuff. Yeah, God has supernatural powers. And, and again, we'll, we'll have to kind of do a little more in depth on that. Bubba has, has supernatural powers. Bubba. Yeah, no, he, is. he can fly around. But the point I want to make here I, with this topic is... With this topic is, is that if you are relying on yourself, Satan will feed on that, yeah. and he'll step in, or not necessarily Satan, but one of his demons will step in, and let you, he's like, oh yeah, he'll. Be, I don't know how they communicate, but they do. They say, oh yeah, you're, aren't you wonderful? Your flesh will do that, and the demons, and so you got this tag team of battles to work against. And it's hard to know which is which, honestly. Which is a fleshly thought, or if it's a, it's a temptation from a demon. I don't know. But they are, but they are very, very. They're way more intelligent than we are. And if you're not relying on your power, he'll crush you. That's what happened to Peter. Jesus told him, he's like Satan has asked to sift you, and he said he let him do it for a time. And that's when, because why? Because Peter was, Lord, if anybody, if they all fall away, I'm not. And he was relying on himself. So the Lord's like, okay, we're going to see how powerful you are. And he turned him over for a while to deal with Satan. And it turned out horrible. He ended up denying himself, denying his Lord three times in front of a girl who was cooking garbage. I mean, it wasn't like he had a Roman guard with a spear to his throat saying, deny your Lord. He was doing it in front of a lady who was, who was not even anybody important. That just goes to show you that if you're not relying on the power of God, your flesh will be deceived by a demon and you'll go off in the long run. Alright, so now we're back now we're to be strong in the Lord. So yeah, we're not we're not saying not having self esteem is something we want to just crumble over and say, well, we're just all worthless people. We need to stay at home and lock ourselves in our bathroom and we'll cry all day. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about be strong by his power. And his power and he commands us to. He does not want us walking around and being afraid of people, of anybody. But the purpose is not to puff ourselves up. And we don't use that by our own confidence. We use it by His power. All right, Philippians 4.13. Of course, we, you probably heard this before. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Okay, that's through Him you can do all things. All right. Psalm 22.19. i got a bunch of these here. We'll just read them all and go through them. So I, I like to let the, the word speak for itself. All right. But you, O Lord, be not far off. 
Oh, you, my help, hasten to my assistance. So this is the psalmist is asking the Lord to be his assistance, to be his help. All right, Second um, Timothy one seven. Second Timothy one seven, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So you see, our God's the Holy Spirit within us is not timid. We're not to be timid. We're not to be like, oh, I'm afraid of everybody, or anybody. We're to be powerful, but not for our own gain, for the glory of God. And it's in the power of the Spirit is a power of is a power and love and discipline. So it's not out of control power. It's controlled, disciplined, selfless, loving power. All right, let's see here. I have Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. So you see, he's talking about salvation there, but also that third line, for the Lord God is my strength. Never in the Bible anywhere does God say, be strong in yourself. Not one place you're going to find it. That's a hard thing to settle down, really, isn't it? It is. Especially for men, I think, too. Especially people working out, and you know, you get this physical. Um, and you can you can rely on your strength physically by not even like strength, like how strong you are, but how you just rely on your looks. You try and get yourself looking good enough to where it's like one of your one of your strengths, or you know, something you like. You know what I mean. Your vanity becomes one of your idols that you depend on. And a lot of that happens to a lot. That's probably more. Usually, when women probably have that more than men, but men can do it too, and I've done it. All right, verse twenty-nine. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. So you see there. So if, when you're lacking as a Christian and you know it, he will, he will give you increases in power. Just like we we read, if you humble yourself, he will exalt you. When God exalts you, it's a good thing. He'll work through you mightily. Do things through you that you won't, you won't even believe. And then verse 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And sometimes the battle as a Christian is just waiting on the Lord. You pray. You, you're, you're serving Him. And you really believe in your heart he's going to do something. And I believe there's all kinds of things he's going to do. But he's just. But you just wait. You, you don't get out in front of him. And that's a hard thing to do yeah. for me. Because you get out in front of him. You're like, I'm going to, you know what you're doing? You're going to try and cause it to happen yourself. Yeah. And that is what Peter did. And that's what that's Abraham bad. did. That's what, so. That's a bad thing. And yeah, if you're not. And sometimes that can be hard. You just trust him. And you're like, okay, I believe you're going to do it. I'm trusting in you. I, um. So if you wait on him, you'll gain new strength, and then you'll run and not get tired. All right. We'll go to Ephesians 3.16. It's amazing. Everybody goes to their phone now for their Bible. I know. It's quicker. It really is. I watch that in church, and you know, they pick up your Bible, yeah. they pick up their phone. I used to be critical of people who had it on their tablet, but now, especially if you're doing, I usually like when we're just doing through Romans, I I prefer a paper Bible, and when he's preaching, I prefer a paper Bible. I still like the feel of it and, and everything else, but I, when if I'm looking back and forth for something real quick, I get frustrated there because I'm so used to being able to tap tap tap. And yeah, on a tablet especially. I, the yeah. phone is a little small for me, but the tablet is really really good, so I don't criticize it anymore. Just because it's so easy to turn flipped from here to there. Like, it would have taken me probably 30 seconds to find what I'm looking for. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So he's praying for believers. And he says, um, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit. And that's the whole key. If you have the Holy Spirit as a Christian, then that's power that you don't have. But you have to ask for it. You have to continue to 
rely upon it. It's, just because you have the Holy Spirit as a Christian, you can, you can rely on yourself real easy. All right, then we have Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Pretty clear. And then he goes into talking about putting on the armor of God. So you can, in the, what Derek was talking about, put on, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So if you want to know how to fight against the devil, Derek, go to Ephesians 6. It talks about putting on the armor of God. It talks about um, the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. Um, let's see if I can just summarize it. Yeah, talking about having put on the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the loins of truth, the gospel of uh, peace, and you, you want to study this more in depth, but, but this will keep you from falling. In addition to that, take up the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The more you have the Word of God in your heart and in your mind, the less you'll sin. That's when David said um, he, he treasured up the Word of God in his heart so he wouldn't sin against God. If you're, if you're focused and your heart is on this, his word and him you won't sin against him near as much but if you're focused on the world and your own life and your own self and not him if you're esteeming yourself then you're not going to be esteeming christ got it yeah you're right well we're, we're, you're almost done you're like just got it. finish him got it all right second corinthians 12 9 says and he has said to me, my grace is sufficient to you. Okay, this is where we need to kind of back up a little bit. Um, this is Paul talking about. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, he was talking about he was caught up into heaven to see the glimpse of the true heaven. All these fraudulent books you see about kids saying they went to heaven, none of them went there, but Paul did. But because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, keep him from esteeming himself, he was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. So God gave Paul a personal demon assigned to him. Mm -hmm. I mean, how about that? Yeah, how about that? To uh, literally torment him. Why? To keep him from esteeming himself. Because you can you imagine having, he was trained, he was taught the gospel by Christ himself. Somehow, and when he went away, after he got saved, he went away for three years, and he was trained personally by the risen Lord. You're, there's no way you could not have pride in your heart unless you had something like that. And so, but he got he got tired of this because imagine imagine having a personal demon assigned to you. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me, and He said to me, "This is Jesus' answer to him: My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness." And so he didn't want Paul to exalt himself because as soon as he exalted himself, he was going to become useless to him. Christ said, my power is made useful, is made perfect in weakness. So he wants us weak in a sense of not relying on ourselves. I mean, that couldn't be more clear there. Got it. Yeah. And so he says, most, then he continues, most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell within me. So I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake, not for our own sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. All right, we'll go back up to uh, Nehemiah 8.10. A couple more here. Satan is not omnipresent. No, he's not. And that's why I always say to people, when, and I say to myself all the time, because I'll say, well, Satan said, tempted me in this. I, I would say, this is my opinion, there's billions of demons. The Bible teaches that. So if I don't think I've ever, I hope not. I hope I've never been tempted by Lucifer himself. I really hope not, or that I ever will, because he's the one you don't want. But I. So when you're getting tempted, you're likely not getting tempted by Satan. He's one angel. And he's spatial. He's a spirit, but he's spatial. He flies around. He can't be here and over there. But he's got all kinds of billions of little demons that went with him. So yeah, you probably have never been tempted by Satan. But one of his demons is, is incredibly powerful. Like, 
All right, Nehemiah eight ten. Then he said to them, Go eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So this is, yeah, I was wondering why I wrote that down for a second, but there at the very end it says, Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The more joy you have in the Lord, and that's what I want you to have, Derek, and, and all of everybody, when we do something for Christ, is you want to have joy, because that'll be your strength. That'll encourage you to do it more. Not pride, but the joy of the Lord. All right, and I have Habakkuk 3.19. You probably don't spend too much time in Habakkuk, do we? I've actually heard... I've actually heard somebody, Alistair Begg preached through that, I think. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hind's feet and makes me walk on high places. So again there, the Lord God is my strength. And we'll go back to the New Testament, Colossians 1, 10 through 12. Colossians is another book that's really good to go through. So that you may, or so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And here we go, verse 11. Strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And so you see there in verse 11 where it says, Strengthened with all power, according to his might. And if you do that, you'll attain to all steadfastness and patience. And so you see where if you want to attain the fruit of the Spirit, do you remember the fruit of the Spirit when we went through Galatians? At the end of, end of Galatians? Talk about the fruit of the flesh is this, and the fruit of the Spirit is this. That's how you tell, if, which I'll just pop there real quick, that's how you tell if you, if you are walking, if you're, if you're trusting in yourself, or if you're trusting in Christ and, and the Holy Spirit for how you're doing. Because if, if, you're, if you're having... Um, Okay, here we go. This is Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Okay, when you walk by the Spirit, that means you're relying upon the Spirit. You're obeying the Spirit. You're following His leadings. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its, sets its desire against the Spirit. So you see the, the conflict within the Christian. Now, the person, the unsaved person doesn't have the Spirit, so there is no conflict. They're just going to be continuously unapologetically following the, the desires of the flesh. But the Christian has the Spirit, okay? But So you have this conflict, and that's one, one of the things I always look to first when I'm talking to somebody who I'm trying to decide if they're, if I'm, I'm trying to discern whether they truly are born again or not, is the, one of the very first things you look for is, are they struggling with sin? If, because the, every Christian is going to be like, we're like, ah, oh, because like you said, we all screw up every day and sin every day. But when you do, you're like, oh man, that's you know, and you, and so you, there's that conflict going on in the in the inner self, and that is what that is, is that what we're talking about here. It's the spirit versus the flesh. Now, when we get glorified, when he returns, your flesh will be perfect and sinless, and so there will be no more conflict. You'll be perfect. So you go from before you're saved, no conflict because your flesh is dominating. You're doing nothing but evil. No conflict. No no real. Uh, your conscience gets seared over a point in time. And then you get saved, and now you have this conflict. And then once we get glorified, there will be no more conflict, but it will be good, it will be pure. There will be nothing but sinlessness, holiness, and, and so you see how that works. Um, okay, well, I got sidetracked again there. Imagine that, right? All right, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Okay, so if you're living by the flesh, this is what's going to happen, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. So a couple weeks ago, I was living by the flesh. I was. It's kind of outburst of anger. Disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Where is that? That's Galatians 5. I don't have that on there. Oh. This is Galatians. This is a fruit. That's the fruit of the flesh, fruit, fruit of relying on yourself. And those who practice those things. And you, Can we have dinner? I'm so hungry. You haven't eaten yet? No. Okay. Well, we're almost done. Just a few more minutes, hon. We're not. We're not long yet. We still and got. Now we're waiting.
to get more contact solution and baking soda. So, thank you. Grace, you give us about 10 more minutes, we'll be done, all right? But it, or you can sit there and listen to the rest of this. You're going to put me out. Wait a minute, that's fruit of the flesh. I'm going to put you out of your misery. We just said fruit of the flesh had strife, enmities. <laughs> no, just a little bit more. We'll, we'll be with you in a moment. All right. What? Carousing and drunkenness. Do I look like I'm drunk? No, she's not drunk. I'm but that is, wait a minute, outburst of anger. <laughs> we got her. Violence. Grace, don't put you in Yeah, yeah. Hunter's my butt. BFF. Hunter's not going to let that happen. That's hilarious. Okay, so that's fruit of the flesh. Where's What was that again? That was 520. Galatians. I don't have it on there. But remember, we went through Galatians, and at the end of Galatians, we went through that. But it helps you to know when you're walking by the flesh. You, you know because it's you're, not hard to figure out. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> but here's the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Okay, so that's proof. I just read through something that popped up a second ago. It's showing the way Satan tempts you, and the way you're supposed to fight it. A lot of that stuff is part of the shield. It's part of the shield is the shield of God and the armor of God. Amen. Yeah. That's a good one to know, especially if you're, you know, sure, because it's good to know um, how to fight. Because again, the temptation's real, demons are real. They were using, uh, they were using an example of how powerful can shield be. Just watch the movie 300 or 300 warriors. That shield is protective. Yeah, yeah. God's armor is more powerful. MacArthur does do, and I know uh, I love MacArthur a lot, I recommend him a lot, but he did one of the, he did the best, uh, there's a series in, on his app. About the the, uh, the armor of God, it really is because a lot of that imagery is from the Roman world when this is written, and, you, and kind of you really even you understand the context of where Paul was writing from and what he was around. He was around Roman soldiers, and so when you understand the um, what, what a Roman soldier was like back then, it helps to explain this, and that's why biblically, I heard this the other day, is that when you when you're studying the Word. You want to, you want to do the best you can. That's why I like commentary Bibles because good ones, because it takes you back in the context of when it was written. Because you can't understand some of it without knowing the context. You know, and that's one thing Knuckles did a while back. Is he he knows a lot about I told you, the Old Testament. He explained what a shepherd was, and I had no idea the, what a shepherd was like back then. And so I didn't understand a lot of the Psalms and the you know the shepherd verses where when he explained that, I was like, wow, he really that was one of his better. Uh, Sunday school things because I just because I did it took me back to, it takes you back to the the context of when they're writing and that's how you understand the meaning of scripture is a lot of times you have to go back to the context we you know instead of trying to bring it forward into this future environment it wasn't written now it was written back then yeah Yeah, yeah. I remember our conversations, <laughs> but I wouldn't give it up. And the Lord finally, it was like I said, all those battles and all those prayers, and all those struggles, and it was just some random verse I sent you. Turned it, he, he used to make you alive. All right, total depravity, uh, which we'll probably not deep, dive too deep into that right now. Um, but that just teaches. The biblical teaching that men are, and we're going through Romans, so we've kind of explained what God's view of the human being is: is that we are all, all evil, all the time until we're saved, and that's it. And then after you're saved, you have the spirit, but your flesh is still corrupted, and so you have to still battle against that. But your flesh is something never to be relied upon, and so it kind of goes to what we're talking about here. All right, so the very last note there. We are to be strong for the Lord and by the Lord. And so you want to be strong, but you want to be strong not for yourself and not by your own power, but for the Lord and by His power. Not for our gain and not in our strength. The truth is we should not feel good about ourselves except that which the Lord has done for us and through us. And that kind of summarizes, it gets to the point we're talking about here. And so we'll go to those last two verses here. 1 Corinthians 1.31 
First Corinthians one thirty one. For that, just as it is written, let him who boasts boasts in the Lord. Okay, that's pretty clear. So if you're going to boast, and you should boast as a Christian, but not about yourself, but about what the Lord's doing through you and for you. And there, really that even shouldn't be a boast, because none of us deserve to be saved. None of us deserve to be used at all. And so it's a privilege and a, and a joy to do that. But it does say, but he who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And then 2 Corinthians 10, 17, and 18. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord, for it is not he who commends himself that is approved. So if you commend yourself, that's not what you're not going to be approved, but he whom the Lord commends. And that kind of wraps all the way back up to that main theme of, this is the two sentences I want everybody to take away from, everybody here and everybody on my YouTube channel, take away from, no, that if you, if you, that's okay. You have to say too awfully bad. No, actually, the input's been good. If you humble yourself as a Christian, you will, God will exalt you. He'll use you in mighty ways. But if you exalt, begin the second you begin to exalt yourself, he's going to humble you until you get humble again. And it's kind of the cycle. And so the more we you stay humble, you, you'll be more useful as a Christian. And that's why we don't want to look at any unbeliever and say they're unsavable or anything like that. We always want to say only the only reason that I'm right with God and that person, whoever it is, is not, is because God did a sovereign work in my heart and granted me faith and repentance to apprehend the atoning work of Christ. We did nothing. You were dead in your sins. I was dead in my sins. Everybody who's ever become a believer was dead. I was saved. God made him alive immediately. I had a simple verse when I was probably hammered drunk. And, uh, and I think it's nothing good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's how I got saved. No, no, that's what you find that. I'm going to be saved. No, you know. <laughs> well, you know where... It shows that no matter what kind of good you're trying to do, you can't save yourself. No. I mean, I was probably in the most wretched spot I could be in. Yeah. And that's when I was saved. Were you, tr were you trying to go kill Christians, though, when you got saved? No. Well, then you weren't as bad as the Apostle Paul. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I know. That's what I always go back to. People say, well, I was... The Apostle Paul was going to Damascus to kill, to kill his people. Kill some more people. Kill some more. He already had one stoned, and he was. We're talking about women and children too. He was shackling them and putting them in prison, and they were. They would eventually get executed. Christ, you want to know what happened? Real quick. All right, this is worth reading. Real quick. Uh, we're a little bit late, but uh, I think it's Acts six. Well, I'll have to see. I haven't been in Acts in a while. Now it's a little later than that. Alright, well here's, uh, first off, I'll read you one little clip of, uh, um, Alright, well this, Acts 9 is where it is. So Saul, his name was Saul before he became Paul. Saul, still breathing threat, threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters for, from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, Christians, both men and women, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, about to go into the city to, to kill, capture, and eventually kill more Christians. And suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. The, so as Lord just put a light around him and just absolutely drove him to the ground. I mean, incredible power, humbled him immediately. So he goes from hatred towards Christians to immediately on the ground. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, having hearing the voice but seeing no one. So Saul, Saul, and so was, well, I'll call him Paul. Paul saw the Lord. So, and again, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about. He was qualified to be an apostle because a lot of people, I struggled with that at first because I was like, well, he was already ascended before Paul got converted, so how could he be? He saw the Lord when he got converted, literally, with his eyes, and it blinded him. And so you see how God can impose himself on anybody. And that's what happened to you that night. That's what happened so what to me. Um, then the man who traveled with him, uh, Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. He was blinded. 
Christ blinded him. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. And then he sent somebody to him to baptize him, and he gained his sight. And then he eventually he went away to the to get trained, and then came back. You have you read Acts Acts nine and on; it'll take you through the whole conversion and in. This is the Apostle Paul. His name was Saul before he got converted, but then he became Paul. So he was on his way to kill. And then what now? He he didn't do any more of that. He was he, he, well. He he just turned away from the Jews. There was he went to the high priest. He was a Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was a Jew of the Jews, and he just he just immediately when he came back, he started you know what he did he started preaching the gospel in synagogues, and they were all looking around going, "Isn't this the guy who was trying to kill us before?" And they were afraid of him. It says they they wouldn't go around him because they thought he maybe been playing a game and trying to trick. And there and then he he actually ended up he had to get some testimony saying no he's been converted he's one of us now because he was again it goes to show you that he was killing Christians yeah, I wasn't doing that. and we were you know <laughs> we've all done wicked things and I'm not saying that he was worse than us either so all right well and so my lesson is there any form of pride or esteeming oneself will lead to sin and so I think after all this time two lessons that we should know now. That should a, what's the answer? Should a Christian have self-esteem? No. No. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Like I said, we'll do Romans next couple weeks, and then maybe we'll have like a Q and A. Soon enough.